L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Hey, everybody. If you want to tell the world something or sell the world something, head on over to Squarespace, because they're going to help you build the website of your dreams. Say you want to sell some custom merch. Well, you can set up your online store, whether you sell physical, digital, or service products. Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. So go to squarespace.com stuff right now and you will face a free trial. And when you get ready to launch, use our offer code stuff and then you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. How could you go wrong with Squarespace? Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. So, Chuck, it's really hot here. Yes, we are still in Guatemala here on Thursday. Yeah. Although we recorded this, we bypassed the space-time continuum to fool you all. And it's actually quite comfortable here in the studio. It is. It's lovely, and hopefully neither one of us has died from typhoid at this point. Or been taken hostage, <laughs> which i got to tell you I'm worried about. Right. And hopefully what's happening is you guys are reading about this on our blog at HowStuffWorks.com, the Stuff You Should Know blog. Right. Depending on our internet, we are uploading daily posts about our experience here. Either that or if uh, what Chuck just said proves false, that means that we have spotty internet down in Guatemala and all of them will be uploaded the following week after we get back, right? That's it. Okay, so uh, look for those live now on on the blogs at HowStuffWorks.com or the week beginning the 15th. Help! Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Bryant. And guest producer, Matt Frederick. Yeah, Matt uh, is filling in for Jerry, who's sick right now, because she's got the hepatitis. No, she doesn't really. I got the hepatitis. No, you don't. What do you think they injected us with? Uh, folks, we got hepatitis shots, by the way, because we are traveling to Central America. Guatemala. And uh, they said that that's a good thing to get. And I don't know what they inject you with. But they inject you with inactive hepatitis so your body can form antibodies. Right, sure. I so great. when you get with the active one, it's like you can't stay here. See, Jerry like got sick and I was like, I feel good. I feel awful. My arms hurt. I feel <laughs> sore. I feel like I'm getting sick because I also got the te- the Tdap. Yeah, the, the tetanus diphtheria. Yeah. And um, I I don't feel very good right now, Chuck. Do you remember last year when I got sick for like 18 straight weeks? <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Well, I'm hoping to fight this one off. So we got Maddie in here, which yeah. is a pleasure. Hey, Matt, Matt of Lines and Scissors. Are you guys still together? Sort of. So, At one so. point, the singer left and the guitar player left, and like Matt was left with a drum kit and like a part-time keyboard player or something. You can make something these days with that. I think it's weeks later they decided they wanted to be in the band again, though. So I think they're like working on a reunion tour now. (laughs) And it all began with a camping trip that one person wasn't invited to. (laughs) It's historic. So, Matt, good to have you here, my friend. 
I concur. Do you have an intro, or should we just say, let's talk about Braille? Let's talk about Braille. Okay. I do a, a little bit. You know much about Louis Braille? Yeah, sure. Louis Braille invented Braille because he was a blind boy. You know how he got blind? Yeah, he stuck something sharp in his eye. He did? Yeah. In all? Yeah, A-W-L. Yes, thank you. My thick tongue does not allow all. for a distinction between <laughs> all and all. Yeah, uh, he did that when he was three years old. Yeah, his dad was a leather worker, and he used the awl, which is a basically a very sharp-pointed instrument yeah. with a... You could lobotomize somebody with it. Uh, it's a little big, but sure. It'd be a... Uh, he almost lobotomized himself with it. It'd be a gruesome lobotomy. He was screwing around with it, and it slid out of his hand and hit his eye, right? Yeah. And then what, he got infected? Yeah, it got infected, and then he lost sight in his other eye because of sympathetic ophthalmia, which is when one eye says, well, if that eye's not going to stick around, then I'm going to go off to duty as well. Yeah. <laughs> but that wasn't mentioned in this article. I thought that was surprising. Huh, it is a bit surprising. Um, that reminds me of A King of the Hill where um, – Hank Hill goes blind in one eye, and then he goes blind in the other. And Gary, his uh, mom's boyfriend, is like, I've never heard of an eye sympathetically <laughs> shutting down before. I was hoping you were going to say it had something to do with con. No, I can't do a good con. That was good. Oh, all you got to say is con. Right. I'm, I'm Laotian. And then you're supposed to say, you're from the ocean? <laughs> I can't do a good Hank Hill either. None of those are I don't good. watch it anymore. Ever since they either. brought Tom Petty on, I'm like, this Is sucks. he on that show? Oh, You're kidding. God. Yeah. As it's, a character? Yeah. Or as Tom Petty? As a character. Huh. Yeah, it's awful. I love Petty, and I love King of the Hill. I'll How do you love out. Tom Petty? Because he's great. <sighs> I'm sorry. I just threw up in my mouth a little God, bit. You're awful. Um. Anyway... <laughs> wow, we already got off on a tangent. <laughs> all right. Uh, Louis Braille was not one to be kept down. No. Despite an all sticking into his eye and no. going completely blind by age three. True. Right? Yeah, he was inspired, in fact, uh, some years later when he was a teen by a visitor that came from the Royal Institution for Blind Youth. Right, a guy named Charles Barbier. Yeah. And this was in the uh, early 1820s or mid-1820s, depending on who you ask. Late 1820s. Other sources say early. Okay. Another issue with this article. All right. Uh, and he and this guy, Barbia, had invented a code called uh, night writing mm -hmm. to allow soldiers to communicate to each other in the dark. And this is not to be confused with night rider. Or night swimming. No. <laughs> um, is it not night rider? I thought it was night rider. Night rider. I thought he invented the, the, the car. No, he invented night writing. Oh, okay. Totally different. And that did not catch on in Army. Okay. Right? Right. So he, he went to the uh, School for the Blind, uh -huh. where Louis Braille was 12 when Barbier visited, I guess. And boom. Yeah. Smart little kid says, I can use this. He Yeah, and he could. And actually, within three years, he'd worked out the kinks. Um, he basically optimized night riding uh, and um, created his own system, which we know and love now as Braille. At age fifteen, yeah. By age twenty, he printed, he published his first uh, book in Braille. Awesome! It was probably large and bulky, but strangely enough, Braille didn't catch on uh, no. globally or even um, in France uh, until after he died. Right, and even then, it was popular with the Institute uh, for Blind Youth, but it still wasn't like super widespread. Because, and this is something I didn't know. This is sort of like the totem pole cast. There's all these little tidbits I never knew. Uh, there were competing codes, and different inventors came up with different codes. So clearly, uh, when there's different systems out there, it's going to be hard to decide which one to use and hard for one to become widespread. Right. 
So that's one reason. Did you know there's uh, no universal sign language? I believe I did know that. Yeah. One of the competing, um, I, I guess, a tactile alphabet is what you would call these things in general. Oh, yeah. um, it was created by a guy named Valentin Howie. Uh, yeah, I don't even know. You shouldn't even try. H-A-U umlaut Y. It's not Uter? No, it's umlaut. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, he created a system that is basically kind of wavy uh, Latin characters. Yeah. But it looked very much like the, the, the characters that we use here in, in the West. Sure. But they were uh, a little wavier, a little more elongated, I guess, ostensibly so that you could feel them more easily. And still to this day, some people um, consider this type of tactile writing um, easier to learn. Yeah, true. Very good point. Thanks. <laughs> the thing is, Braille eventually did catch on, Chuck. And um, these days, Louis Braille is looked upon in much the same way that um, uh, Johann Gutenberg is. Yeah, sure. I think actually... Um, Helen Keller, on the anniversary, uh, the 100th anniversary of Louis Braille's death, uh-huh. said something along the lines of, um, in our small way, we the blind are as indebted to Louis Braille as mankind is to Gutenberg. Sure. He uh, basically took a group of humans who were virtually unrecognized in the educational system and gave them a way to become educated people. Right. Literate, created literacy, both of them did. Yeah, among the blind. Yeah, and they both took a little while to catch on, largely because um, well, well, one of the reasons we said with the Braille was because there were competing codes. But there were also uh, the books, Braille books, were really bulky and large. Still are. Well, they still are, but back then, dude, it was even worse. Like you didn't want to be lugging around Braille books in your rucksack. No, and Tracy, who wrote this article, um, is a huge Harry Potter fan. Indeed. So she described how big Harry Potter and what, the Half-Blood something else, something? I don't know. Whatever. Uh, Half-Blood Prince. There you go. That Harry Potter book is 14 volumes long in its Braille edition. Wow. That's long. Yeah. Uh, And yet they're heavy. They have to be um, published uh, using a loose leaf. Yeah, yeah. So that the, um, with the, with the ring binder down uh-huh. the middle sure. so that the pages can sit flat so you can hit the cells all the way. And I think actually, Chuck, we may be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Let's talk about Braille at its basis. Okay. Like what it is literally? Yes. Well, Josh, Louis Braille uh, realized that the uh, night writing method used cells to create an alphabet using dots and dashes. Yeah, and originally Braille used dashes as well. Does not anymore. No. But the Braille cells today, they, they're a little bit different than um, the original Braille. They do not use dashes, like you said. They are two dots wide and three dots tall. Right. I, at this point, I want everybody who's listening to this podcast to close your eyes. Okay. Okay? You have in your head a cell made up of six dots. Like Chuck just said, it's two dots across mm-hmm. and three dots down in each of the columns, right? Yes. So you have one, two, three. Three dots down, uh-huh. and to the next column to the right, you have one, two, three dots down. Now, if you go to the first dot on the first column, which would be the one on the left-hand side, yes, that's that's the number one dot. Right. The one below that is two, uh-huh. and then three. Right. At the top of the right-hand um, line of dots, uh-huh. you have four, and then five, and then six. Yeah. Using these six dots, you can create 63 character combinations. Correct, Josh. And you would think... 
pretty easy because we've only got 26 letters in our alphabet, but they also have to cover punctuation, mm-hmm. uh, contractions, um, musical notes and symbols, basically anything you can think of that you would be able to read with your eyes that needs to be accounted for within those Braille dots. Right, and there are some uh, in the original Braille, uh, the English Braille alphabet, Right, there, um, there is some punctuation included, like uh, rem- close your eyes again, everybody. Uh, go back to the Braille cell and think of it like a, a domino. It's a rectangle with the dots inside. Okay. Uh, a dot in position two alone is a comma. So remember, that's the middle one on the left-hand column. Okay. Uh, one that is the uh, in position six alone is the capital sign. Right. So you put that before the next character, and you know that it's the it's a capital letter. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of goes on like this. Right. And you also have to represent the numbers too. We we forgot to add so zero through nine are represented and you can obviously make up any combination with those and you uh zero through nine are actually uh the same thing as the letters uh a through j yes but before uh each number you would have a number sign much like you have a capital sign before the next letter to indicate that it's a number so the number sign is the letter or the uh, third position right and then four five and six and then you might have a b c d e f G, H, I, or J, and then that would be a number instead of a letter. It sounds so complicated. It does. But I imagine if you are um, looking at a book for the first time, I don't remember back that far. I'm glad you said that. But if you're looking at a a normal book, Uh um, you're probably like, I couldn't think of anything more complicated that I have to do. Exactly. And that's the point. I'm glad you brought that up because they say that it is very much like learning to read and write for the first time. Um, using the same pathways in the brain. And should we talk about the Wonder Machine real quick since I brought that up? Yeah, this is really interesting. Yes, the fMRI, when they uh, people read Braille, their visual cortex, visual cortex, mm-hmm. actually fires up. Yeah, and there's a couple of theories why. Yeah. Uh, the first is that when you are blind, you have this, uh, basically this storage area uh-huh. that is put to use doing other stuff. Yeah, pretty cool. Right. Uh, which would be tactile sensory input rather than visual sensory input. Right. Uh, and then the other theory, Chuck, is that the um, language processing centers uh, actually serve as holding areas for this tactile information. So cool. Yeah. But because it's the brain, we really have no clue. We just no. know when it's firing up and when it's not. I've lost a tremendous amount of faith in the Wonder Machine, dude. Really? Yeah. I read the study where this guy... Um, scanned a dead salmon oh, while no. he showed it pictures oh, no. of humans and asked them what emotions it was showing <laughs> and he got a response on really? the MRI yeah <sighs> that's disappointing yeah it is so moving on Josh a typical line of braille is about 40 characters and a typical page of braille is about 25 lines right so think about that that domino each domino is yeah. a character uh-huh. and in uncontracted braille or grade 1 braille Every word is spelled out letter by letter, which is why the Harry sure. Potter book is 14 volumes long. Yeah, exactly. Right? So to combat against this huge bulkiness, yeah. they've come up with contracted Braille. Right? Yeah, grade two Braille. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, when they group uh, or, or they contract Braille literally using representations of whole words or letter combinations, sort of like shorthand. Yeah, like uh, ing or ed or the or and. Right. They have their own... Um, Rather than three cells for and, you just have one and it's and. Right. But there's a little controversy there as always. Uh, some people say that uh, uncontracted Braille is really important because it's a foundation for learning contracted Braille. And opponents say that uncontracted Braille is 
time and space consuming and basically you just don't need to learn two codes. Right. So why bother? That's it, a good question. <laughs> uh, I guess an, a good answer would be that um, what is the standard? What are you going to encounter, contracted or uncontracted, when you're at the ATM machine? Yeah. Uh, and you're, you're you're reading the uh, the keys. Is that contracted or uncontracted? I'm right. pretty sure, if I remember correctly, uh, it's uncontracted. Oh, is it? Because yeah, there's one dot at the number one position, oh, sure. etc. I can read that kind of braille. Well, yeah. <laughs> and actually, when it, there's a great illustration showing basic English, the English braille alphabet, and um, it seems like something you could pick up if you really set your mind to it. That'd be kind of cool. Should we talk more about uh, you, you, how you read it? Like you read it from left to right, like a regular book, but you write it right to left. Is that correct? Yeah, you have to. You when you make the impression on uh-huh. the page, you have to do it going from right to left, because think about it, it's you're flipped. going to be flipping the page over to read yeah. the bump. Pretty interesting. It is very interesting. Pretty clever. And you can do this handheld still with a stylus. Yes, yeah, some books are translated from sight books. Yes, to Braille. Hand, by hand, that which take, takes hundreds yeah, of hours. But that's not the way to do it anymore. I mean, you can, but there's different ways. Um, now you can get a Braille writer, which has a key for each of the six dots of a cell. Which makes sense. Makes sense. You can actually get a, a regular uh, QWERTY keyboard attached to a Braille printer. Right. Very easy to use. And um, what else, Josh? Well, if you want to uh, read in the future, right, which uh, is now, there's movable um, type that reads a screen line by line. Yeah, and um, there's you have basically like a pad that has uh, recessed pins that represent a dot. Yeah, right? pretty cool. And then based on what the line of text on the screen says, the corresponding dots pop up and you read them and then as it goes down they refresh and then pop up again. It's very motorized. Yeah, it's very cool. I actually read. Um, an article about a NASA scientist who's figured out how to use, um, I think they're called like active polymers, uh-huh. artificial muscles basically, to create a very highly compressed movable type Braille keyboard. Really? So you could apply it to the iPhone or whatever. It looks like wow. the future of it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and then there, are, obviously, if you want to skirt around all the Braille, uh, blind people use things like screen readers for their computer, yeah. uh, to audiobooks, obviously. And recordings of uh, lectures or friends and family, letters from their friends and family. But I don't know if you remember we did something on the webcast on uh, a blind man being blind in modern society and the New York Times. And this guy was very anti all these readers. He said it basically makes blind people lazy and they need to get out and, and learn Braille just as you need to go out and learn how to read because you get a better understanding of a word if you understand how to spell it and write it, right, and read it, and plus also it's you know you use a different part of your brain to process language orally than you do visually or um, tactilely. Yeah. So I mean, there's like a whole part of your brain that would be underdeveloped, and that sure. just in and of itself is a bad idea. Yeah, I would think so. Um, they also have uh, you can scan books now too. That's one of the easier ways to translate now using um, optical character recognition technology. And you can scan a book, and they can translate it into Braille for you. They well, you can send it to a Braille printer. Well, yeah, sure. Um, you can understand though why somebody who uh, is blind would want to, you know, listen to an audio book. Yeah, it's faster. It is faster. Apparently, um, the average Braille reader can read at a rate of 125 to 200 words per minute, 
By contrast, the average cited eighth grader can read about 205 words per minute, and college students read about 280 words per minute. So if you're in college and you're blind, it's probably not even necessarily a question of laziness. It's a question of just trying to keep up. Right. You know? Sure. I'm a slow reader. What about you? Very slow. Are you? Yeah. Interesting. I am too. Yeah. Like when I read a book, I'm a, I call it deliberate. Because yeah, people could, say, you read slow, but I, I read very deliberately, and I'll reread a sentence to get it just right. I'm right. not a scanner at all. No, I'm not either. And I say scanners stink. I do too, Chuck. These people that I see reading, like uh, you take these tests where you read, see how fast you can read reading comprehension. And I've done this on like people's blogs, and people logged on and said they read this many words. And I literally did my eyes and time myself, and it's I can't even – scan that fast. I don't see how they can be absorbing these words. They're probably not. It's all just sitting there and working memory for a minute and then it's gone. I ingest it, buddy. I do too. Good for like you. Like a pie. <laughs> like pie or like a pie? Like a whole pie. Okay. I thought you meant like pie. So Chuck, um, still, like we said, there's Braille all over the place. Many languages of Braille specific to that country. Yeah. Again, there's no universal Braille. No. There's not even a universal English Braille. No. Uh, the Braille in the U.K. and Wales and the United States are all different. Well, yeah, they're different codes. And luckily, we have the uh, the Braille Authority of North America here in the U.S. of A., and they do publish standards for these codes. But you have to know what code you're reading because the same cell can mean one thing in one code and something else in a different code. Right. And um, also, you, there's notations. There's Braille for music. Sure. Uh, English Braille American Edition is used for um, things like novels and magazines, basically literature, right? Right. Then you have the Nemeth Code of Braille, mathematics and scientific notation for math and science. Sure. Because, I mean, think about sigma. There's nothing in the English alphabet that, that signifies sigma. Right. And that thing pops up a lot and terrifies me whenever I see it in an equation. Me too. Uh, then you've got computer Braille code, uh, code for ASCII. A-S-C-I, a.k.a. Two. ASCII. Two. Right. Um, and chemical notations and, and music, right? Right. So you, the the whole point of these um, standard authorities is to bring all this together so that their unsighted people in their country can all know what the hell they're reading. Right. And they're like we said, every country literally has their own Braille. Uh, there is even Chinese Braille with the characters representing sounds that make up the language. Yeah. Hebrew Braille, Josh, as well, which sounds like the grade one uh, Braille with each letter and number representing its own cell. Right. And then, of course, Chuck, there's the newest Braille alphabet, which is Tibetan. Welcome Tibetan Braille to the family. <laughs> a uh, a woman named Sebri Ten Birkin uh, created the code uh, so that she could read Tibetan manuscripts. And she realized that she had just created a new Braille language and took it to, to Tibet and started teaching blind Tibetan children. That's awesome. Tibetan Braille. So you could literally invent a Braille method if you wanted to. Oh, I have. <laughs> really? Yeah. Josh Braille. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they're still working on this. Many countries have agencies and departments that evaluate their own codes and try and uh, institute or implement new improvements in technology, that kind of thing. Like this one I saw. I don't understand the, the benefit here. It said there's a new display prototype that can be rolled up like paper. Uh, so do people do we still do scrolls? Who does that? I, I think that's on its way out with yeah. the ref, with the refreshable type. Aside from your like diploma and what <laughs> what else? A poster of uh, you know 
anything that has to do with papyrus. Right. It's generally <laughs> scrolled, you know, silk, that kind of thing. I guess that's a good thing. And then, well, uh, well sorry, uh, Braille libraries, web Braille libraries. Right. Available online. So it seems like uh, Braille is everywhere, right? Sure. I'll tell you one place it's not, in the United States. Oh, no. It's just the fact of the day. Our currency. Yeah. Chuck, out of 180 countries in the world that use paper currency, the United States is the only one that makes its paper currency the same size and the same shape regardless of denomination. Yeah. If you are blind, uh-huh. you have to come up with your own clever tricks to keep track of it, and you're Although it probably rarely happens, sure. you're constantly under threat of being ripped off because well, you yeah, have yeah. no idea. You just know you have a paper bill. It could be a one or a hundred. You have no clue. True. They fold the paper, the, the bills. Isn't that one of the tricks? That, that is one trick. And there is a big debate even within um, blind uh, uh, blind advocacy groups of whether or not the U.S. should go to the trouble of putting any kind of tactile imprint right. On their currency, or should blind people just make do, you know? Uh, But I'm getting you a gift, Chuck. Oh, no. What? I went on Amazon, and I found this thing called the Pocket Brailler. Okay. (laughs) And it hooks onto your keychain, and it has um, one, two, three, four, five. It has six little um, notches. Okay. And you put the corner of your paper currency into the appropriate notch. So if it's a one, you put it in the one notch. Ah. And you press down, and you can actually emboss, you can braille uh, your currency. That's a great idea. Not for yourself, but if a blind person ever comes in contact with it, they have it already brailled for them. So if everyone got these and did this to their the dollars that flow their way, uh-huh. eventually we could have enough money out there that we're, we're, where we've done it ourselves. Yeah. I mean, think about Forget it. If you the just, every time you came in contact with a, a piece of paper currency you marked it forgot about it got back into circulation that kind of gets around you know what i say to that what put a put a put a nice so i'm going on to amazon it's actually from a site called maxi aid which is a very unfortunate name for a website but they sell the uh pocket brailler for six dollars and 79 cents and i'm getting you one buddy really i'm getting myself one too that's pretty cool yeah all right well if everyone else out there got them then maybe we could make a real difference in this world I agree. Of course, the the uh, blind people would have to know that this movement is going on. Not necessarily. I think that and trust can... that they were marked correctly. Well, that's kind of the thing. I mean, I'm sure there's a jerk out there who will do it the opposite way. But right. <laughs> that person's going to hell anyway. So yeah, good point. Yeah, threefold. Remember the witch's rule of three. That's right. Come back on your head three times, buddy. If you want to uh, read more about Braille, um, you can type that word B R A I L L E into the handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, which leads us, of course, to listener mail. Yes, Josh. Anyone out there who listens to this much of the show and listens to listener mail. All eight of you. They know two things. We love email from our young friends. Yes. And we love email in broken English. And in, we love free stuff. And this is both. Actually, not all three. This is not free stuff. This is, I'm going to call this broken English know this one. from young Lucy. Uh, young Lucy, we'll just call it The that. cutest recent immigrant in the United States. <laughs> this is great. And, I, and, of course, as we always like to COA and say we're not making fun of anyone. No. This Lucy's is just doing adorable. a great job of writing in English, and we just think it's uh, a good time. Hello, Josh and Chuck from the podcast. I am 14 years of age, and I enjoy to listen to the podcast plenty. It's a good start. I write this on friends' email due to the fact that I myself 
do not have email. I write another before, but is not certain if it arrived to the dwelling of you, so I write again. I love the podcast and the joke you say, make I laughing so hard. (laughs) (laughs) That's good, so she thinks you're funny. Yeah. I try hard on English, but it's still no good. Josh and Chuck help plenty, and I find I learn new thing every one of the days. That is awesome. So she's learning things all the time from us. She should, her parents should probably be afraid. Probably so. Uh, I come to Canada from China and like to live here. Every day here is joyous, and all people are happy and also kind. <laughs> That's so, about right for Canada. Yeah, she must be in Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my mother jokes that I am too much in interest with podcasts and says she is wondering if I am in love with podcast Josh. Mm hmm. I respond with wholehearted no and declare him <laughs> too married and he much too old for my young and small age 14. Very true. That is a good girl. Josh is not married, though, we should say. I listen to old podcast with Chris and am wondered why, oh, why, Chris, does Josh work? Is Chris slave? <laughs> Slavery not accepted in Canada, neither should in USA. Agreed. Agreed. I love to hear you and good day to you. I try hard to write this and I'm hoping happiness and health for you from your fan number one, Lucy. Goodbye, no use slave. (laughs) Lucy, agree more. I am not married. I am very much taken, but I got to tell you, if I weren't, I would wait for you. You sound like a very. She is quite a charmer. Passionate, charming young lady. Yeah. And welcome to Canada. Can I speak for Canadians? I guess. Welcome to Canada. We, uh, we from do China. here in the U.S. anyway. Right. And uh, thanks for listening, Lucy. That's really very, very cute. Agreed. So uh, if you have a super heartbreakingly cute email that you want to send us, you know we like those a lot. We're suckers for them. You just uh, wrap it up, send it along to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold-pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month.